0: Next Earth or Next RF versus Plastica at al. and Next RF versus Aristocrat International at al. 2021, 2147,
1: and 2219. Mr. Ladon. Good morning, Your Honor. Uh, may it please the court, the district court's decision to grant a motion to dismiss under Rule 12B6. Finding the patents in suit invalid under 35 USC 101 was called as a matter of law. Four reasons support this conclusion. First, patent ineligibility is an affirmative defense to an action for infringement. And Ninth, law, ninth Circuit Law makes clear that affirmative defenses are not appropriate on the motion <laughs> to dismiss unless the complaint itself establishes the affirmative defense. Moreover, Section 282B2 of the statute makes clear that all defenses to patent infringement shall be pleaded.
0: Counsel, we uh, may have rendered a lot of decisions on uh, mm-hmm. 12, 12B6, uh, but let me ask you, these claims uh, deal with accessing a database Storing images, generating a game outcome, determining prizes, uh, are those all done by software?
1: It's a combination of software and hardware, Your Honor.
0: And uh, are some of these actions new? in this field, or are they all just computerizing what has been done in the past? Uh, some,
1: some of the elements are new, Your Honor, uh, referring to um, the 229 patent, and that's Appendix 46, The pay table module that's associated with the centralized gaming server is something that's new. And also, if you go to the 407 patent, which is appendix.
0: We have the claims. Uh, we have them.
1: Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, that's the 107, the transactional system is new. And the, the complaint makes that clear, Your Honor, if I could refer to appendix one hundred thirty six. Paragraphs five through seven of the complaint <laughs> talk about the inventive concepts of the patents were unconventional. I'm in paragraph five now.
0: So you're saying then, even if even if we find the claims abstract, they have something extra inventive. As the Supreme Court has told us to look for. That is correct, Your Honor.
1: And that, and that is best summarized in paragraphs five through seven of Nexar's complaint. Notably, the last pair, all of paragraph five, which I won't read, but the last sentence of paragraph five talks about how the unconventional centralized server-based elements allowed for a stable secure flexible engaging multiplayer compatible online gaming experience for the user while minimizing the hardware storage and network burdens and requirements of the user's device and the the and then paragraph 6 and 7 talk about the pay table module and 7 talks about the transaction system and this first argument that I'm making is that the district court was required to accept these pleadings and these factual allegations and these pleadings as true, and the district court didn't do that. The district court didn't even address them in the underlying opinion. problem? Uh Yeah, I,
2: we have a number of opinions where um, if the patent itself says something that's directly, plainly inconsistent or clashes with the assertions made in the complaint, then we follow the intrinsic evidence of the patent.
1: Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that, but there's nothing on the face of the patents themselves that talk about that last sentence of paragraph five that I've just read into the record, and also I would disagree with the defendant's position that each of the elements are in fact taught or admitted as prior art in each of the patents. Most notably, I'd like to talk about the paid table module that we refer to in claim one of the 229 patent, which is also present in the independent claims and all of the other patents, maybe using some different verbiage. But that paid table module is... Uh, a unique, invented advancement in and of itself over the prior art. And there are three reasons that would support that, Your Honor. The prior art, we have to understand, it's 2001, and the way these games were played, there was a one-on-one relationship between a physical slot machine and a player. So if you had ten physical slot machines, you had ten players. Kerr comes along 2001, some 20 years ago, when bandwidth was very limited, right? And he says, I'm going to scale this up so I can have one centralized remote server, right? And I can have 100,000 people play that. And, and, and there were advancements in the technology for Kerr to achieve that, one of which, one of which was the pay table module. And notably, in those prior art machines, those individual they had individual pay tables, where the pay table module of Kerr's patents allows for, provides functionality for multiple machines. The other point is the prior pay tables, they resided on a physical machine, and Kerr's pay table module resides on a virtual machine that's associated with the centralized or remote servers. And the last point is that the pay table module associates the game outcome and prize with images that the, have to be transmitted to a remote user device. And and the the statement by the defendants that that is taught
0: or admitted to on the face of the patents is not correct. Counsel, these patents expired.
1: Yes, Your Honor. So when 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 I go back to Appendix One Thirty Six and paragraphs five, six, and seven, there's nothing in these paragraphs that contradict these statements in the patent to address the prior question that if there's a disconnect you're to, or a disagreement, you're going to rely on the intrinsic evidence of the patents. And I would also note that the transaction system. Um, <laughs> Is considered invented as well. So for that reason alone, that's my first argument. The district court didn't give these allegations their due, didn't accept them as due as true as they were required to, as the court was required to do. And if the court would have done that, the motion to dismiss would have been denied on that basis alone, Your Honor. The second Point I want to make is, or the second argument I want to make, is I also believe that the district court substantively erred when analyzing patents under both the first and second steps of Alice. Um, let's just talk about the first step briefly. Under Alice Step 1, the question was: are the claims as a whole directed to an abstract idea? The district court concluded that the claims were all directed to the abstract idea of remotely playing a slot machine on a server. And that definition in and of itself is an error because the specification of the patents made clear that the games may include a plurality of different games and games types, and that's not restrictive of the invention. And for that, I'm referring to includes 43, column 9, lines 59 through 61. So the Alice Step 1 analysis stands in error for that reason alone. And then moving forward to the Step 2 analysis, it's the same argument that I just made before. I'm not going to rehash it with you, but if you look at paragraphs 5, 6, and 7 of the complaint, again, which have to be accepted as true, and they don't contradict the teachings of the specification, um, there is an embedded concept here in this in this in these curb patents, in its order combinations, that are sufficient to allow to satisfy the second step of Alice. And and uh, we cite these cases in our brief. We rely on Bascom. We rely on Cosmo T. And our case stands on all four with those two cases. The third argument I wanted to make, Your Honor, talks about the district court's analysis of only two claims that is claim one of the 229 patent and claim one for us only patent as being representative uh, of all of the claims uh, in by doing that the, the the district court violated the patent statute in my opinion the one of the touchstones of this this analysis is on appendix 410 Footnote 10, where NexRF, in its brief, in the footnote, it said NexRF does not oppose treating the 229 patent as representative of the 454 and 406 patents for purposes of this 101 analysis. It is true that NexRF made that representation, but it's not... It, let's look at what it doesn't say. That footnote does never, in that footnote, NexRF never agreed that claim one of the 229 patent is representative of all of the claims of the 229 patent. NexRF never agreed that claim one of the 229 patent is representative of all the claims of the 404 by 4406 patents. And importantly, with respect to the 407 patent, NexRF never agreed that claim one of the 407 patent is representative of all the remaining claims of the 407 patent. So there's no no basis to say that Next RS, Next RF conceding to this representative claim analysis by the district court. And importantly, as we cite in our brief, uh, Section 282A provides that each claim of a patent shall be presumed valid and independently of the validity of the other claims. And and Section 288 of the statute talks about how whenever one claim of a patent is invalid, an action may be maintained for infringement of a claim of a patent, which may be valid. Counsel, you're and well we,
0: into your rebuttal, Tom. You can continue or save it. I'm going to just continue for a minute
1: to finish my comments on this point, and then I'll save my time, Your Honor. Thank you. Um, you know, so the, the defendant's even if NexRF even didn't oppose this motion to dismiss, the district court could have invalidated all of these claims unless it found in the living on a claim by claim basis. And we cite the more Cure case in the Martinez case in our briefs, and so I will uh, rest there for now, and I'll save the rest of my time for rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honor. Fine.
0: Ms. Arna. You may take off your mask unless you don't wish to.
3: Thank you very much. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Almost afternoon. (laughs) Your Honors, this uh, may it please the Court, this case is a straightforward example of patents that issued prior to 2012 that cannot withstand scrutiny after Mayo and Alice. And regarding the substantive analysis of 101, I think that, the arguments XRF has made here today reveal everything you need to know, which is at Alice Step 1, they say the district court got it wrong because their abstract idea was too narrow, um, and that rather than being limited to slot machines on a server, it should cover any types of games on a server.
0: But what about the pay table module and the transactional system?
3: So that is actually their second problem, which is when asked for an inventive concept, he said, yes, there is one. Look at the complaint. And the arguments that you just heard from him all focus on the complaint. And he said specifically to this court that there is nothing, to the question that was asked, there is nothing in the patents about the sentence that he read. Stable, secure, flexible, engaging, multiplayer, compatible, online... That sentence in Appendix 136 in the complaint, he couldn't point you to where in the patent it actually explains that that happens. So what he did was, in answer to your question, he talked about specific claim components to argue that those, at least at the Rule 12 stage, have to be believed as being unconventional because the complaint has those words in it.
2: Is that required, that the... Statements in the complaint, assertions in the complaint have to be supported by statements in the specification?
3: It is not required that everyone map directly to the specification, but under the Iqbal Twombly framework, the first thing the court does is look at what statements in the complaint or even in the opposition here could be dismissed or ignored because they are either conclusory or contradicted by the specification. So if they contradict something in the specification or are conclusory, they can be ignored.
2: Right, and that's why I was pointing that out before, and that's why I'm wondering, is there in fact something that's contradictory to what they said?
3: Yes, and I can go element by element for the ones that he listed for you if I could. Um, I'll start with, you asked about the pay table module, which they cite as one of the things as being unconventional. They do that both in the complaint at Appendix 13637 and in their opposition below, at 410 and 413 in the appendix. What they don't do is cite to anything in the patent that explains how the pay table module in the claims is unconventional. They cite to three places in the specification that all describe the same functionality performed by the pay table that is also described in column two. And so that, I would say, is a contradiction, because in column two, The patent describes prior art gaming systems that used a mapping, a predetermined table where a random number is pulled, it's mapped to the result in a table, and also to an image, and that image is presented. In column two, the patents tell you that is in the prior art. And when they tell you now that somehow calling it a centralized gaming server or a centralized pay pay table module is somehow different, there is nothing there. And instead, they cite columns 4, 10, and 13 in the patent that all describe that exact same pay table functionality, mapping the remote or the random number to a result and an image. The patent does not say anything about that being any kind of new or different functionality. And in fact, it contradicts the opposition at 413, where the, um, Patent owner has argued that it gives that ability to change the games. You can change one pay table and it'll go out to all the terminals, and isn't that something, again, not in the patent, just in the complaint, but that contradicts its own opposition where it admitted that some networked electronic games could be reprogrammed over the network in the past. So there are specific contradictions in the patent itself and even in their own opposition that show that this so-called unconventional pay table module was nothing then Functionality the patents admit was known before. Similarly, for the unconventional quote-unquote transactional system that credits funds to a user account, this is also described in the patent in column 9. It says that transaction data is protected by known cryptography and that player credits are stored on the network so players don't have to carry money around So to the extent there's something there in the transaction system, the patent itself says what it's doing is making it more convenient for the player. That is directly contradictory to something that the patent owner said in their opposition. They tried to say that, no, no, the transactional system increases security, so bad actors cannot steal credits. Presumably that's where they're going when they say secure and stable is this new thing. But that's not what the patent says. It says nothing about stopping people from stealing credits. It says making it easier so your players don't have to carry money around the casino. On the central gaming server, that really centralization and server are really the two things that they say are different than all of the gaming functionality that's admitted as being known in the patents. They say in their complaint, again, and in their opposition, they don't have anything to point to in the patent that says that the server does anything other than generic computer functionality or that the centralization is somehow new. I mean, centralized gaming long predates computers. If you think about a bingo hall where you have a single operator who is pulling the random numbers out of the, um, out of the spinny, um, basket that cards all the players to make sure them verify that they're old enough to play, that calls out the results, maps the results and pays out the winning. So the idea of centralized gaming and they're saying it has to be broader than slot machines far predates computers, and nothing in the patent specification explains how those elements in the claims, um, how those provide any of these uh, benefits that they argue are in that important sentence in the um, complaint. Isn't Isn't it
0: just a simplistic idea to say that these complicated claims describe only the abstract idea of remotely playing a slot machine on a server, they have specific limitations.
3: They do have uh, some <laughs> words in them besides those that you just said, um, but certainly if you look at other cases that this court has, described, has looked at, often there is an underlying abstract idea, and we have to look at the claims of the whole and what they are directed to. And you look at the patent here tells you all of the gaming technology or all of the gaming functionality was known before. Random number generators, pay tables, they use off-the-shelf encryption, they use known security.
0: So the Supreme Court has gotten us away from claims into... what used to be called the gist of the invention.
3: No, I, <laughs> um, well, maybe somewhat. Um, I mean, we are we are trying to follow the Alice and Mayo. Those were unanimous, and certainly that's what we're following these days. But this court often looks at claims that have many steps, ten or twelve steps, lots of words, and really, what is the overall abstract idea? Would you, and you say if it's, it's
2: a point of novelty test? Excuse me? Would you say it's a point of novelty test?
3: No, I mean, I think we have enough from the Supreme Court and this court to say that novelty and routine and conventional are different. 102 is not 101. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a but point of novelty. But in terms figuring
2: out what is the claim directed to?
3: So to, to, or to figure out what the claim is directed to. Is
2: that a point of novelty test?
3: I don't think so. I think it is. Um, it's not clear what it is. And when the court has found it difficult to say exactly what it is, then... It the court often will turn to step two and look, because there you do have more of the routine and conventional what is being added besides well, the abstract. Well, haven't
2: we lady. said that when we try to figure out what is the claim directed to, we look at what the purported claim advances over the prior are?
3: Yes, I guess that's a way to look at it. And here... If
2: that's what we've said, then, maybe... Okay. You know, rightly or wrongly, we've created a point of novelty <laughs> inquiry for what is the claim directed to
3: Okay, and, and in that case, they talk about the fact that in the patent, in the background, the patent is talking about making all of this transaction, of all of this known gaming uh, tech, uh, functionality available in an open network. They don't exactly say what that is, but that seems to be what they're getting at, and certainly... In their arguments, they're saying we added a centralized server, um, and that made, that changes everything. So at most, it's moving um, remote gaming to a server. Um, and, I mean, the the district court found remote slot machine on a server. Um, I think if you look at some of the court's cases that have found eligibility, that in particular, BASCOM and Cosmo Key, both of which were mentioned by the um, patent owner, I think those make clear what is missing here, and that is that – There is nothing in the specification at step one that explains a technical problem or a technical solution. This isn't like like some of the things that have been patentable, like the filtering in BASCOM, where the problem was a technical problem that was caused by the involvement of computers. We don't have anything like that. Here, the patents explain all of the prior art they say. Networked interactive gaming was already known even on the Internet. And they talk about prior art pay tables, and all of the gaming functionality was there. What they are trying to argue now, with very little support in this spec, is that somehow putting it on a server makes it work differently. But that's where I'd point you to Cosmo Key, because the reason they say that matters is that it makes it possible, it reduces the hardware requirements on the user device, on the game device. Well, there's nothing in the patent that says that user devices do anything other than be conventional user devices, TVs and set-top boxes and phones. So they don't have anything in the specification that would explain why that somehow is a technical improvement unlike the case in CosmoKey where the specification specific, specifically addressed the challenges of authenticating a transaction when a user has a limited mobile device and they said there's a way we have figured out to make to reduce the burden on that device by performing these four specific steps in in the authentication process and that allows for the mobile device to have less memory and less demand. That's what they're trying to say here, but there's nothing in the claims or specification that explains that link. And in Cosmo Key, there were four specific steps in the claims that were discussed in the specification and the specification gave the how, explained why those four steps resulted in the result of reducing the burden on the user device. They can't point to anything about that here for the user device.
2: Representative claims?
3: Representative claims. Um, they're appropriate. They're used regularly. Um, here, not only did we rely or the district court rely on the admission that the patent owner mentioned, but also in the motions to dismiss, uh there were two of them, and they both explained specifically why the claim that was described, claim 1 of the 229 or 407, why it was representative. The Platica motion had a chart explaining why it represented and how substantially similar it was to the other claims. And then they also addressed all of the dependent claims. In their opposition, besides just that footnote, the patent owner did not argue against any of that explanation of why they were representative. They did not argue against any of the dependent claims. And where that has not been separately argued, it's appropriate to use that representative claim analysis. I would point to, for example, content extraction, where 242 claims across four patents were invalidated when they shared a the same spec. The claims are substantially similar and linked to the same idea. There are no further questions. Let me just make sure the other elements that he mentioned. As for the secure-stable um, allegations in the complaint, I would point you to be the contradictory statements in the patent at Columns 1 and 2, where they the patent describes specifically using traditional security methods um, and that security methods were known techniques, including the ones that the opposition points to, passwords, IDs, and biometrics. And as far as improved reliability, that contradicts column two, which explains that reliability in gaming systems came from known cryptography and digital certificates. So while the specification doesn't have to have everything to your question, Judge Chen, it can't contradict what they're saying without any support. And with the ability to disregard those statements, the district court properly dismissed at Rule 12 um, by not um, because anything they um, could argue wouldn't change the Outcome on eligibility. I
0: wish, any other questions. Ms. Honor, I think you have concluded.
3: I have, unless there are questions.
0: No. Nope. Thank you. We'll bring Mr. LaDon back. Front and center. Please proceed.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, first, I want to hit head on the statements that by counsel that what was pled in the specification of paragraph five isn't supported by the spec. If you go back to Appendix One Thirty Six, it talks about a central games server that's in column nine, forty line forty-one through sixty-seven of the two-two-nine pack. It then talked about a verification system server. Excuse me, column seven, line nineteen. Column 9, Line 41. Then talks about an image and or video delivery component. Column 10, Line 21 through 40, 35. Column 4, Line 64 through 67. Paragraph 6, the pay table module. That is defined, Column 9, 59 through 62. Column 10, 57 through 64. Column 13, 4 through eight column 4 61 through 62 column 10 11 through 13 column 13 line 24 through 26 and in paragraph 7 the transactional system column 10 line 65 through column 11 line 9 there's not there's nothing in that passage of the complaint that isn't supported by the specification and there's nothing in the case law that I'm aware of that requires the patents to explain why the concepts are invented. The patents need not articulate all the benefits of the invention. Um, the last point I want to make is before my time is up. We think this case should be reversed and remanded, and and let let my client XRF move forward with this case. And but but at a minimum, at a minimum, the district court. The district court also aired in denying that, Nex- denying leave to amend its complaint. And, and that was based on a futility analysis and I don't believe that was accurate. Um, here, uh, you know, NextRF was denied the benefit of this ruling to see the ability whether there there was an amendment necessary to determine the possible means of curing the deficiency, and for that reason alone, they should, at a minimum, be granted leave to file an amendment complaint. With that, Your Honors, I have no further uh, comments, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have.
0: Thank you, Counsel. The case will be taken under submission.